Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Design Rant. Design Rant is a platform brought to you by designers at Forest Interactive. Ever wanted to know what UX design is and how to implement it properly? How to ask users questions and how to ask the right questions? And everything and everything regarding product design. This podcast is for you. For the first episode, we're going to have an introduction to what gamification is and what is the philosophy behind it. And not just how you can apply it to UX design, but to other fields as well. Our presenter is Ardavon HP, he's a UX designer, and he will be bringing this talk to you. You can follow us on Spotify, Red Circle, YouTube, and if you want the visuals, check out our YouTube channel, Design Rant. Now please, enjoy the talk. You're good, you're good. I think you lose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think we can there, start. There was a moment I thought, I was like, oh crap, I'm disconnected. No, no, no. You're good. I think we can start. Yeah. All right. We'll start now then. Okay. So welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to our second knowledge sharing session. Uh, and today I wanted to discuss with you guys regarding a topic known as the gamification. We will have a short Q and A after the presentation. So if you have any questions, we have, you can leave it for the end of the, uh, end of the presentation. And no matter what your discipline is, I'm going to just let you know, no matter what your discipline is, you can benefit from this. Also, you can also benefit from this in your life as well by gamifying multiple things. So what is, why should you, why, why you should learn gamification? It helps you to understand how you can motivate people for your evil plans. That's basically it. I said motivate because originally, originally the term that people use is manipulate, but that's not something you want to let the users know. That's what you're essentially doing. And also helps you understand yourself a little bit better and use it to motivate yourself in different matters of life. You can motivate yourself by, if you learn gamification, you can easily make yourself learn things better by applying methods in game to your real life. First, let's understand the market. Why do we need gamification here? Because we're talking about the market where everybody we have a series like since when did we binge series you have to wait once for every week now you have to like see it's like everybody gonna watch 10 episodes at a time the, this is the market we're dealing with today we have a bunch of series binging phone addicts just we take our phones to the bathroom for god's sake dopamine addicts really a lot of dopamine that's for sure everything we every thing we touch now, everything we interact with is, has to give us a bit of a buzz because this is the most important hormone there is for, for, for the clients for the people like Facebook or Instagram, that's how they stay afloat. They help you have dopamine, like bits and bits of dopamine because of the buzz. And of course the market is, has a very, very low attention span, low attention span span is because there is a research done, and this is up until 2013, Microsoft did this, which they realized that average span of human, uh, attention span of a human in the year 2000 was 12 seconds. An average span of a human now is eight seconds. An average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. And this is up until 2013. This has not been updated. We're eight seconds, like we've dropped four seconds and all this time. So how are we going to capture the market where I'm pretty sure this is going to reach close to five by this at the moment, thanks to TikTok. And 
we're like forced, we'll be four seconds below a goldfish. This is the kind of market you're dealing with now. So we have to use gamification and things that we have available to us to uh, capture the attention of the audience. What is gamification anyway? Gamification, to put plainly, gamification is, uh, is to insert gameplay elements in non-gaming settings so they enhance your user engagement with a product or a service or even a game, I have to say. Here we have the key components of what makes a game. We have the goal, we have the rules, we have the challenge, we have the interaction. We have the, as you can see right now here, we have the, it's almost exactly like a call to a journey. You have the individual, you have the call to adventure and all the things that will occur at the moment. We have the ups and downs, we have the challenges. We have the overcoming the challenges. You have to then you reach back home and you become the master of two worlds. You go from the ordinary world to an extraordinary world. And then you learn from both worlds and then you come back triumphant. So there's a progress going on here. You're moving forward in it. You're going from nothing to something. You're capturing things in. If anything out of these elements you see here goes missing, if, you're no, if you don't have a progress, you will not reach this point. You have a goal to reach here. There are a set of rules in the special world for you to do this. It's going to be challenging, but, you have, but if it's a good enough challenge, you'll be able to come back out of it. And then there's interactions with people you meet along the line with it. Triggers. What are triggers? I'm not talking about a trigger warning. I'm not talking about the word triggered, which used to be very popular. People talk about, well, I'm, I'm triggered by this or triggered by that. No, triggers are basically what your needs are. This is the Maslow hierarchy of needs. I suggest you to take a look at this at the moment. There's multiple versions of this available. There's multiple ways of looking at it, but this is basically what Maslow's hierarchy of needs showed to, to an individual. And bear with me here because I, some of you might wonder like, well, how is it going to do with, what's it going to do with me? Here you have to understand everything, you, every, every piece that you do, if you have these considerations regarding these needs, every piece of art or literature or design that you create, have something of this in mind. It will actually benefit the art itself, benefit the end product itself. There is a way to break this down. One way there's, there's a one way is the extrin, uh, extrinsic motivations and then one way to look and the other way is the intrinsic motivations these are the triggers Tris, triggers as i said is your needs the things to, that you need to feel good and feel happy so you have the extrinsic motivations extrinsic is simple money points rewards advancement threat of punishment, which is basically a kind of a key, not entirely, but to a certain extent, a key thing element in this extrinsic motivation. Then we have the intrinsic motivation, social context, status, mastery, purpose, acceptance, belonging, curiosity, meaning. These are much more internal and some things that you, you want to master skills. You want to have contact with people. You want to be accepted by a group. You want to belong to a group. You want to have a purpose. You want to have a status. These are intrinsic. Both of them are equally challenging to tackle because both of them are, are in two totally separate wor worlds and very difficult to manage for individual for for people to create something that people be able to have all this together. Eccentric eccentric motivation. You want the carrot or the stick, silver or lead, 
If any of you are Narcos fan, you know what plata on plomo means. You see, you earn a reward or avoid the punishment. You will engage in a behavior not really because you enjoy it, not really, but because you or because you expect to get something out of it. It's as simple as that. There's not really much of a. It, there could be at times you can enjoy it as well, but still, if you can get something out of it, that's an ex extrinsic motivation for you. Intrinsic motivation, on the other hand, is like, oh, I love this. This is good. I like doing this. This is. I might not get something out of it. I'll find doing this act itself rewarding. That's what an intrinsic motivation is. Now, intrinsic compared to extrinsic is a little bit more difficult. Intrinsic, you need to be able to tackle something known as the self-determination theory, which is something you need to be able to apply in order to give people that. Intrinsic is much more dependent on the giving people uh, dependent on something known as autonomy, which is basically means give people feel of control over their behave, own behavior and goals. Competence, which is you people need to gain a mastery of tasks and learn different skills. Relatedness, people need to experience a sense of belonging and attachment to to other uh, to other people. That's what an intrinsic feeling would uh, require from you to provide, in a sense. Also, would require, but as I said, it's not. Ex as I, by the way, I need to mention this is not entirely exclusive. Extrinsic activities can also have the same thing. It would be good to be implemented with it, but it, it, it is in, it is in a sense implemented in things that are in extrinsic as well. But this is what intrinsic is basically revolved around. Then we have the flow state. Flow state. We all know what we mean by that. It's like. Flow state, you all have that moment that you're reading a book, you're playing a game, you say, I'm gonna just play this for two minutes, and then you wake up and you're like, oh God, I've been playing this for five hours, what happened? Flow state is when you have a, when something gives you a clear goal, you can have a progress in it, you have a feedback in it, and then at the same time, you have a good balance between the skill level that you have and the challenge that you have. Every day you come to the office, you do your work, if the task that you're given is much more difficult than the challenge that's been given to you, is much task that you've been given is much more difficult than the skill level that you have, and you can, if you can't reach it, you're not going to have the flow state. You're going to have a more miserable time trying to achieve it. But if the task that's given to you is challenging, it's not too easy. If it's too easy, you're not going to be able to really enjoy. You'll be like, there you go, one, two, done. But if it's just enough to keep your interest. And then just enough to for just enough difficult for you to be able to manage it. Then you have a feedback from your superiors about it. You have a progress that you, you see that you're progressing moving forward. And of course, you have the goal to finish this particular task. You have completely reached the flow state. And this is applied to the apps as well. Apps, writing, anything else that you create that for the user, that the user doesn't even think when he uses a particular application, when he reads a particular article. It's done so perfectly that you go from A to Z in no time. Let me give you a bit of an example of uses. I think this will give you guys a bit of an intrigue regarding why I should use this. Why, like, because I was telling you, well, this is applied to multiple things. And I'm just giving you a very few teeny tiny examples because I don't want to take much of your time as well. Here we have this thing called Zima credits. Anybody know here know what Zima credits is? Anyone? 
haven't heard about it. Okay, Zima credits is what the government of China created. Read this tweet. This lady, I just got this tweet off Twitter itself. It says, hot topic, explain, I don't know, sesame credit. It was at first called sesame credit. Sorry, I forgot about that. Explain in relation to platformatization and my current credit is uh, current credit, which has dropped because I don't have any transaction in China any, anymore. Zima credits is what the government of China created to keep track of you being a good citizen. How does this keep track of you? If you post something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever that is pro-government, this automatically no notices that you've posted something nice about the government, gives you extra credits, bumps it up. If it's if you post something about something like regarding Hong Kong protests or something like that, bam, drops down immediately. And you have no interaction entirely with it. It just records it. This is a, they were planning to have this uh, 100% uh, mandatory by 2020. I do not know what happened to it on, on, the, on the year 2020. I don't know if it became mandatory, but there's ideas regarding that it will have a penalty if your numbers of being an excellent citizen drop below a certain number. Now, isn't that scary? A government can do that for you just but without your permission can I have this much control over you. And for now, necessarily what I've heard is that if it drops to a certain level, for example, if you're going to go get a passport, if it's like on a thousand, you can get it very quick. If it's on 500, you might have to wait a week or two. So there's weird things going on with it in politics. Graphic designers, graphic designers, you guys are going to look at this. What this is a this is a poster done in World War II by Russia. How does this get? How is there any gamification going on? There's no interaction. Yes, there is an interaction. The interaction is happening in real world. This poster is designed to call to arms for people to fight against World War II in uh, Germany, fight against the Nazis in World War II in Russia. How is this a gamification thing? Well, here you, here's the thing. You have an ideal, you have back to the intrinsic motivations about a status, meaning, and purpose. Look at the way they portrayed this woman in a red cape, just standing, this red dress standing there, calling to arms with the weapons behind her. This and the status of the world at that time creates the gamified, gamified environment that you look at this and you have a back and forth with this poster. It's an amazing, this is amazingly designed poster. Even a more minimal one on the right, which is in America used for uh, unifying the colonies by Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin designed this. He wrote this, and these are the older colonies at the time, and they were cu and cut up, this is a, the, which were symbolized by a snake in a newspaper. He cut it, up, cut it up and said, join or die. And this was an attempt to unify all the colonies. Isn't that amazing to use the, use an emotion of, meaning and purpose in just a 2D, just a back and forth between your eyes and the poster that you, you can channel that much between you and the people. Anybody can tell me where this has been written? TikTok, come on, the bomb's exploding. Come on, come on. I don't know. <laughs> no way. Anybody? Oh, okay. 
No idea. No idea, what is it? Come on, have a noisy. Come back. I have no clue. Okay, so make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom. Isn't that a jolly nice thing to say? <laughs> it's a great thing to say. Except this has been written as a title by uh, by Al Qaeda. Anybody know? I think you all know Al Qaeda. I hope I don't have to explain Al Qaeda. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. Wow, Yuli. Wow. Wow. You don't know Al Qaeda, Yuli. Wow. wow. Yuli. Me too. I only know Al Qadri. Explain, explain. Al Qaeda is a terrorist group. You know, you know, people who kill people in the name of stuff. You know, in the name of Islam, things like that. You know, people. So familiar. Yeah. You know the twin tower bombing, right? Oh yeah, the bombings and stuff. You know, twin towers. Yeah. Yes. Was that Al Qaeda? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was Al Qaeda. I forgot. Sorry. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> okay, this is. They have a magazine, which is interesting. They wrote this in a magazine. They have a PR, for God's sake. They have a PR and they have a copywriting going on. And they wrote this in the most fun way possible. Say, make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom. Why would you write that instead of instead of writing like make a bomb to kill the American infidels? Why wouldn't you write that? No, you write it to decrease the tension of it and make it sound a little bit more pleasant. This is just a funny example I'm giving to you. There's, if you just write gamification with terrorists, these two keywords in Google, you will see they're using Call of Duty. They're using all these different things to make gamified posters and articles which are like in reality are writing as something rather horrible, like horrific, but it's like, but it's like, but if in the meaning, but it's written in this jolly old way. Another one which some of you writers and copywriters might want to take a look at is a book called Survivor. Simple gamification in this book. The book premise is simple. There's a plane, a plane is about to, a plane is about to crash. The only thing that the writer did was that it took the, pages of the book and put it backwards. So you start at the end page and you reach number one. So you can tell by number one, the plane is going to crash. That's going to be the end of it. That is like a 10, is it like a countdown number? The numbers on the page serves as a countdown. A simple method, yet very effective for a medium that is just books. Now we wonder how you can make books like that. Games, yeah, Prince of Persia. I hope some of you played this. If you haven't, well, don't talk to me. And here we have it. It's a good example to have it for the rest of the uh, example. To have it for the rest of the ser- uh, this presentation. You have a you have the character of Prince. You have the evil guy. You have a, an hour time limit to save the princess. Now, and you have by the way, you have three hearts, which is that's your health line, which is scarce, which means that you're gonna you have to be careful going forward in it. That's the challenge that the challenge that the game faces. Now, any of these elements you have any of these elements go missing, you're not gonna have as effective of a game. You're gonna have to have an enough level of difficulty, you're gonna have boss level like battles in the between, and you have an hour time limit that you know by if I if I let the hour drop to zero. The prince is gonna die, so that prompts you into action. 
that one prompts you into action, but you're cautious because it's not too easy for you because you have to be careful not to die. But at the same time, you have to be, you're going to enjoy it basically because of the way it's been set up. Apps, the one that we want to all talk about at some, at some time because we're with, our, with the products that the company, your company is making at the moment. Lazada has created this thing called Laz Game. And it's a very, very simple thing. It's a, an app that you go in, you play these games to get vouchers. You earn points and you get vouchers for the things that you like. Well, not necessarily for the things that you like, but yeah, they have this cute mascot. You go in, you have a progress. It's written pretty efficiently. It says, log into your Lazada account, tap last game icon on homepage, play and earn coins, collect as many coins as you can, simple instruction, exchange coins to your favorite brand vouchers. Simple for your favorite brand vouchers. So you know like, all right, this is what this is going to be about. It's a cute little thing, gonna do these weird things. There's a progress bar, there's a point system. There's a ladder going on here. There's different activities going on here. I'm gonna have a bit of a fun with this. Now, granted, this is a good way to market it. Um, at the same time, I have no idea how popular it is. I know there's plenty of articles about this. But, and it's a great new way of marketing. I just don't, I wish I could find out how many people do actually use something like this. I know Fetty does use this for the company. Basic tools, basic tools for gamification. This is just basic stuff. Uh, there's a lot, I'm trying to give it as like compact to you guys as possible. This is very basic to tell you is like leaderboard leaderboard is a high score is a high score listing you all we all know that one it's going to pretty much help with the with your uh intrinsic um intrinsic feel of like i am progressing i'm at the top of the food chain i have a status a leaderboard is a visual representation of the competition and it allows players to compete more easily and set a goal for themselves a lot of the players nowadays even play the game just just to get the high score and top somebody else up, even though they finished the game. Helps to keep track of their progress in relation to the other players. It allows for social comp comparison and it provides recognition slash social reward. I believe Lost Games as does has a leaderboard as well. Progress bar. We've seen it a couple in multiple versions of progress bars already. Indicator where the player stands in the of indicator of where the player stands in the game. Uh, the game you have create uh, you have created and how much further he must go to finish it. It's a simple mechanism for you to know where you started, where is it gonna end, where you're gonna look at. A good way of good example of it is LinkedIn, where you can see how many percent your profile is pro uh, as moves forward. How many percent you've created your profile? Is it at fifty percent or hundred percent? That is an avatar. We're uh, I've proposed this previously to the to the company as well. It's like badges and avatar. It's a very simple virtual sim simple. Uh, it's a very simple method to give people an identity in the game. Also, it's a symbol of ribbons that show a certain uh, certain user's capability to do something. They're crucial because they make users feel important and skilled by strengthening strengthening its connection with the brand. They're widely used they're wide, they're widely used gamification mechanics. They are, and I just say, if you look at the something like 
a prime example. It's called Khan Academy. Badges and avatars, I put them in the same category here because they're, at times it could be the same way because it shows you the progress you've had within a certain thing. As you're like, for example, your avatar grows quickly. In, in Khan Academy, you basically have a small, like a Pokemon looking character, which is like no feathers, no nothing, until it becomes a fully fledged, fledged dragon. Points. You have points. Allocate scores to users, customers, or employees. Can this can motivate their will? Uh, motivate their willing to continue to use the product, uh, or make a certain um, or, or or to make a certain action until reaching a higher level. Maxis does this, for example, where you accumulate points every day by clicking on earn your reward, it gives you a reward. There's not much interaction going on, but you do it every day because you want to get like an hour of free internet example, for example. They're generally used for obtaining virtual or concrete benefits. They're pretty, pretty useful, but there are some things you need to be careful about. Two bonus tools for you guys. Um, here, for example, uh, by the way, keep these tools in mind. I will give you a bit of an example at the end of it to so have a bit of an idea of where we're going to be going with this. Scarcity. Amazon have done this many times. It shows you only four left, only four left. And you think, oh my God, there's four left. People are buying this. I got to get it. It pushes people forward to do something to get that thing that you get the thing that you're trying to sell them. It is a bit of a pressure. It's a, also, it adds value to the thing that you have to sell basically to them because they're like, oh, many people are getting this as well. Time constraint. Time constraint. Nothing puts pressure on people like a time limit. That's exa exactly what you see here is an example here. Last minute deal, get a free shipping. If you complete your purchase within two minutes, you get a free shipping. How great of a, of a pressure is this? That you're like, oh my god, I don't, I really don't want to pay for pay for the shipping. I better make this purchase right now. Now, this is what this is. These are the things that helps you create that for the for the users, basically. But bit of a warning: gamification is not about rewarding users at every turn. It's a means to an end, but will not solve everything. Do not over reward the user. Do not give too much freedom. These are some of the pitfalls that people fall into because, for example, uh, if you give too much reward to, to the user, there's a study done where they give, for example, if they give somebody, um, let's say $5,000 to say, I love Coca-Cola. He will say, oh, okay, I'll get the 5,000. I love Coca-Cola. Because the reward is a great amount of reward, but it's not gonna be, but he will not really mean that he loves Coca-Cola. But if I give the guy maybe five bucks and say, hey, can you do me a favor and say you love Coca-Cola? He'd be like, no, right. And then he might actually like Coca-Cola. And there's a tra trap with that as well. Rewards are great, but because now everybody, every social media, every everything that is produced nowadays in the market to capture your attention is giving you so much, you're really going to have a hard time keeping up with giving rewards to people to capture their attention, to maintain their attention, because the battle here is really to capture people's attention. Also, you don't want to give way too much freedom. That's where the time constraints come, come in. That's where limitations within the game come in, within 
your writing, within your poster, within things like that would come into. The message needs to be clear. It's precise. Don't don't go in three directions. For example, you can have a poster of the the poster I showed for the World War Two, and and a, and a McDonald's at a, with a McDonald's advertisement in it as well. Be like, all right, go for fight the Nazis. Meanwhile, would you wanna would do you like some McDonald's as well? You'd be like, all right, is this a McDonald's ad or is this Nazis are attacking my country and I need to go and protect it? Here's an example of the tools that I mentioned in regards in the game, in the gamification. Again, you have to really make an interpretation about this within the context of your work. Here, you have the prints, scarce resources, time limit, a path for progress, the princess in the end, the challenges in the way that he hopes to be able to be overcome at the time, at, at the, before this is finished, and hopefully he won't die until the at the end, and he will have some part remain in it. Now imagine you take away that. We're gonna have if we give, hey prince, you know, you can go over here and capture the, you know, the princess is always captured. That one you can go get that with all these monsters and stuff, but. You, you cannot do that too, if you like. You can, you will give you as many hearts as you want. You're not going to die. So it's going to be pretty easy for you. You're going to have multiple princesses as well for you. So you don't really have one path to go down for. You're going to have three paths and you can choose whatever suits your, suits your needs. Either way, you're going to be fine. How's that going to be for a game? That's going to be a boring game. And, that's gonna, and the user is not going to go the way you want them to go. That's going to, that's going to backfire in their face in the developer's face immediately because you went overboard with giving him everything, no challenge and multiple options. And he went the way he thought he's going to go. And his actions, because of his autonomy, is kind of not going to go the way you think it's going to go. That's about it. Thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed listening.